In many organizations, the divide between the sales and marketing teams cause real problems. Siloed working, a blame culture, and all the while, the business is missing the opportunity to close the gap and add more value for customers and prospects, ultimately increasing the chances of winning more business. I spoke recently with Grant Leboff from Sticky Marketing, one of the UK's leading sales and marketing experts. With his fourth book, Digital Selling, debuting at number one on the Amazon charts prior to being published in 2016, Grant went on to publish his latest book, The Myths of Marketing, in January this year. In a world where technology challenges the ever-changing playing field, I wanted to ask him for his insights on how businesses can close the gap between sales and marketing, what key account managers can be doing to add more value with content to their accounts, and how to maintain control and consistency with the rise of personal brand on social media. Welcome to CamCast. I'm your host, David Ventura, a key account management consultant at camguru.com. In this podcast, we explore the strategies, systems, and skills you need for effective key account management. We talk to expert guests and business leaders, sharing the tips, tactics, and techniques for looking after your most important customers. This is Key Account Management Made Easy. Okay, so Grant Leboff, thanks for joining us here on CamCast. Loads and loads that I'd love to to chat to you about. And as always, time will get the better of us. So let's just dive straight in. I think a lot of the customers that, that I'm talking to and have worked with over the years will often experience uh, teams that do work perhaps in silos or not working effectively together. And of course, no uh, two teams work as closely together within the account management and the sales world than those of sales and marketing. So here we are, Grant Leboff, marketing expert extraordinaire. Do you want to tell us, uh, in your view and your experience, what role key account management and sales uh, have with marketing in today's market, in today's climate? Yeah, interesting question. So I always think of marketing from a comms perspective is really brand to person communication. And then sales is the person to person communication. And then, of course, what you've got with key account management is you've got that developing of accounts. So once the sale's been made, you've got someone that's developing those accounts, trying to get into them deeper, deepen the relationships, you know, deepen share of wallet of those accounts. Where I think And I think that's best left to -to person-to-person communication. So that's kind of your sales and your key account management teams. Where I think marketing can support that effort is where's the added value? So, you know, marketing might be producing brand content, which actually, if it's rejigged a little bit, or sometimes maybe it doesn't need to be, can be really useful for those key accounts that you've already got, where you're adding some value be it a webinar, be it a podcast like this, um, be it some articles. Um, And sometimes you might need to contextualize those a little bit, you know, if you've got a more personal relationship and you know more about that particular business. But I think that's where marketing can sometimes support those person-to-person efforts um, with that added value and that added content, which, you know, can deepen relationships and just add a little bit of extra something to the value that the business is getting from you. So, so when, when you're talking about content, so a lot of the customers that, that we talk to are expecting and asking and uh, you know wanting their sales and account management teams to create their own 
personal content themselves. Um, how do you make sure that the content that you're creating actually adds value? Because there's got to be a difference between content for content's sake and and value added content. How do you see that? Yeah, a hundred percent. So the the point is always to think about in terms of customer challenges. What are the challenges my customers are facing? What are the issues that they have? And sometimes what's the context in which those issues are occurring? Because context is very, very important because it's not just about the challenge that one has, but the context in which it occurs may change the solution or the things that they need to be thinking about. So I always look at content from that point of view. What's the challenge we're addressing and what's the the context of that challenge? And then how are we adding value? Are we giving insights? Are we giving to-dos? Are we giving some takeaways? Is it a think piece? You know, wh- where's the value that we're bringing? And I think it's very, very important to think in those terms, both in terms of not wasting your customer's time. In other words, you want a situation where every time they get something from you, they know it's worth looking at. May, they may not always do that because, you know, we get busy, but you want them to, you don't want to think, oh, not another thing from them and delete it. So you've got to make sure that you're giving that value, but also you've got to think about what do we want out of it? Because again, there's no point producing content for content's sake. Is this content there to add value to the customer, to deepen the relationship, to deepen the dependence on, yeah, this is a really good supply for us. You know, this is a great partnership. Is it there to generate more opportunity? Maybe you're talking about issues that help you get into another part of the account or whatever it is. So you've got to be thinking in terms of outcomes. But that means you've got to start by looking at it. What's the challenge and what's the context of the customer? And I always think if you're producing a piece of content and you don't understand the challenge or the context which you're addressing, you need to go back to the drawing board and think again. Otherwise, you are in danger of producing content for content's sake. And this is where I think sales and account managers often start to think, oh, I haven't got time to figure all this out. I haven't got time to be a great marketeer. I need a marketing department or I need someone in marketing to do all that stuff for me. How do we get sales and account managers to, to, to see themselves as mini marketeers and, and take that, that part of their role on, on board? What, what's, what's the, how do we do it? It's a great question. I'm not 100% sure how you do it, but I, I do think that um, often people know what they should do, but they don't know why they should do it. So if you say to a key account manager and salespeople, you've got to produce content, that's just telling them what to do. And they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, but they don't get around to doing it. I think if you give them the why, it helps. And the why is because you own media channels today. The why is because as a salesperson or as a key account manager, you have a LinkedIn account. You have a Twitter account. You have an Instagram account. You have a Facebook page. Maybe you have a YouTube account, all or some of the above. And that means that you are now in charge of your own media channels. And media channels need content, like any media, whether it's a radio station or a TV station or a newspaper, you know, it needs content. And therefore, the way that you're increasingly engaging with your customer base means that you cannot do it without content. You know, it'd be a bit, a bit, a bit like having an email account saying, "Well, well, I don't, I don't write like that." You know, that's not what I do. And then you can't send emails, right? Because it, it, it needs some correspondence. If you've got a LinkedIn account, and that's a route to market for you, and a route to engage with customers and accounts, you need content. Otherwise, the LinkedIn account doesn't work. 
So I thought, and I think there's this paradigm shift inside people's heads that they don't see themselves currently as media personalities. And they are media personalities. You know, if you say media personalities, they already think David Beckham or Lady Gaga. We don't mean media personalities in that sense, but media personalities in as much as you now own your own media and part of your job is to fuel that media and make it work for you because it would make you a better salesperson, a better key account manager and more engaging of customers, which means you'll achieve better outcomes. So I think if people understand the why and not just the what, you've got more of a chance of them in embracing it. Whereas I think if you just say to people, you've got to create content, then, then it's just another task and they're not going to do it. Yeah. And, and when you, so when you're talking about sort of media channels, LinkedIn is probably the most common media channel for most people in business. They kind of are happy and comfortable to be on it. Um, some people will see it as an online CV. Others will see it for what it genuinely could be. And that's a great prospecting and networking and engagement tool. What are your, what are your top tips for, for LinkedIn? How, how can salespeople, account managers get the best out of the platform? So, gosh, that's a big question, but I think there are certain things that you need to do. First of all, really think about your profile. You know, are, have you written it in a way that's engaging and interesting? Would you want to connect with you if you read your profile? You know, because often people say things like, I've been, I've been in sales for IBM for 19 years. And, you know, you, you, you can't even get to the end of the sentence. It's so dull. Whereas, you know, if you were to say to someone, I'm an expert in, net, in networks, suddenly someone's going, oh, that's interesting. You know, tell me a bit more. So I think the way that you write your CV is vital and also the picture. I, it kills me how many people have holiday snaps. I assume it's because they're tanned. So they think they look good or something, but they have a holiday snap of them at their bar in Spain or whatever. But of course they were with their friends. So now they've got half an arm hanging out their neck because that's where they cut it off. And it's just so unprofessional. And again, would you want to connect with that person? So invest in your profile, invest in a good picture. Those are important things. So that's number one. Number two, it's who you network with. You know, actually birds of a feather flock together. The power of your network is being a bit strategic about who you're networking with. So, you know, you're allowed to choose who you network with. Who are the influences in your industry, in your sector? Who are the experts? Who are the people you'd like to be seen with? Try and engage with those people and add some value and build a network that's really interesting. You know, it's no different from offline. You wouldn't just turn up at a random pub with business cards and think, well, I hope someone useful in here, which is how people choose LinkedIn. You'd go to a strategic event. You know, you'd go to an event based on your sector or based on your industry or based on something where you go, I've got a fighting chance of meeting some people that I can add value to and maybe they can add value to me. So treat LinkedIn the same. You know, where where are the where is the value? Is it in forums? Who are the people I'd like to connect with? So be strategic about it. And then the third thing is add value to that audience. You know, what you what you wouldn't do if you went to a, a an offline networking event, let's say an exhibition, is go up to someone stand and go, Hey, this is me. Do you want to connect? Do you want to do you want to get together? Do you want to give me any business? Right? You wouldn't. You'd try and offer them some value. You'd probably get up there and say, this is what we do. That's interesting because this is what you do. And maybe there's some synergy here. Maybe there's... So you try and find an angle and try and find an interest. You need to do the same on LinkedIn. And, and actually, that brings us back to where we were. Content can help you do that. You know, post a one-minute video of insights. Post a 500-word article that's insightful, interesting, is an opinion piece, makes people think. Then you're starting to add value and you're the sort of person people want to connect with and you're making yourself attractive. And does and when it comes to content, does 
does size matter for once for better question uh you know, the short form post over a long form article what what's what's the best for engagement yeah so it's, it's a great question and i'm always nervous to say well the short form one which is the obvious answer only because then you get this myth which kills me where people say oh no one engages with long form content anymore and of course they do because i always point out that cinema's flourishing and uh you know films are normally two hours long and that's long form content whichever way you look at it right? Although possibly not at the moment though right possibly not right now yeah but the point is is that with content it's all about have i earned the right to get the attention of the audience so you know if you're the james bond franchise just because it's a bond film there are millions of people around the world that will engage with it because they've seen other bond films and they like bond right similar with a star wars thing that's why you use famous actors and famous producers because someone knows, oh, that person's producing it or that person's in it. Oh, I like them. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to invest in the film. Of course, when you don't have that, what companies have always done is made trailers because that one minute trailer means wets people's appetite. They go, actually, this might be worth an hour and a half of my time based on the one or two minute trailer. I'll do that. So if you think about LinkedIn, if you're posting to your network, to people that know you, like you, and want to engage with you already, you can get away with longer form content. You can get away with a 1500 word article or a five minute video, because actually if I know you well, and I know you post good stuff, even though I know it's five minutes, that might not put me off. Whereas if you're using content to post more generally, to post more to the, the, the totality of your audience, the totality of that market sector, and perhaps a lot of those people don't know you, then it needs to be shorter form. Because if the title's interesting or the, or the topic is interesting, I might give you a minute, but I'm not going to give you 10 minutes, not when I don't know who you are. So I think it's all a question of which audience you're addressing. Is it your existing network that already like you and know you? Or are you trying to you know, engage with fresh people, with people that you haven't engaged with before? In which case, you know, it needs to be shorter form because they're going to give you less time in, initially. And a lot of the sort of business leaders that are listening now will be thinking, this sounds ideal. I'm going to get my sales guys, my account guys to become mini marketeers. They're going to use their own media channel. They're going to create great content that, that, that engages our customer base and adds value, which will lead to a downstream equivalent of additional revenue, more sales, more profitability. I can see the benefit of this. The fear that maybe I've got is that I'm relinquishing control of what goes out to customers and I'm running the risk of a lack of consistency. And at least with my marketing team, I have that. I have overall sign off on whatever goes out and I've got consistency because it's a small team of people who are sticking to brands, sticking to the core messages uh, of whatever campaign they're running. How do we manage that? How do we get individuals with now person-to-person media channels to now be consistent and stick within the sort of brand guidelines? Yeah, it's a great question. Although it always makes me laugh slightly, only in as much as you'll speak to CEOs who will say, gosh, I'm really nervous about letting salespeople loose putting a one minute video on LinkedIn. But they've always let their salespeople loose go and speak to customers and represent their reputation and brand. Because, you know, in a meeting, a a salesperson could be saying anything. I mean, you'd like to think they're on message. They understand the brand DNA. They understand what the company values are. And they're articulating those and presenting those in the right way. But of course, 
you know, in a meeting with customers, and it could be that a salesperson's meeting 10, 15 customers a week, you know, over a course of a year, that's potentially hundreds of people that they could be damaging your reputation with if they're not on message and anything else. So I don't think, I think the problem's always been there. And if you've always trusted your salespeople, and one assumes you have to go out, see customers, have meetings, represent the brand, sell truthfully and honestly and with integrity, why would that be any different if they're making a one minute video or writing a 500 word piece? So I think that and that trust, you know, is important, but it's always been important and you need to be able to trust your staff. Um, but I do think it, it leads to some other things. Have you articulated the ethos of the business, the value proposition of the business, what we stand for as a brand? Is that articulated properly? Does everybody understand that? And are they, do they understand what behaviors therefore represent that into the outside world? And I think it's amazing sometimes how few people in a business really do understand brand DNA. And that's very, very important if you can let people represent you. And then the other thing is people need training and guidelines on this sometimes. You know, I remember uh, showing my age here, but I remember when you, you know, first went into businesses, there were loads and loads of courses. I haven't seen them for years around telephone technique courses, you know, how to use the telephone well, how to come across well on a business call. And, you know, it was laughable in a way. Well, I've been using the phone my whole life. But actually, coming across well, presenting yourself well, presenting yourself professionally, there were, there were ways of doing that. And I don't think it's any different now. You know, have you trained your staff in how to come across well on LinkedIn, how to put a compelling piece of content together, how to put a video together, just some basic techniques so they come across well? I think those are important. I think, you know, just to let your staff loose and expect them to have all those raw skill sets from, I mean, some of them will, of course, but some of them won't. And so to make sure that everybody does, just investing a little bit in training, uh, a little bit in some guidance and help and assistance, I think I think is is quite important. And you're right. And and these things, you know, we talk about investment, these things in terms of content creation, they don't need to be expensive. I think when we talk about video, particularly if as a business leader, I'm thinking, but if any video goes out, I want it to be slick. I want it to look professional. Immediately, I'm thinking, do I need to then hire a film crew? Do I need, you know, production value behind it? Does it need to be edited right? You know, but these things don't have to be expensive. And at the same time, we want to avoid some of the the less professional looking output, right? Yeah, 100%. And again, you know, there are so many ways of doing this, you know, buying everybody in your business, a clip on mic that goes into their Android phone or iPhone, you know, you can get those for 20, 25 pounds, but it sits on their shirt, you know, and they can they can post it and put it into their phone. And suddenly the sound quality is really good. You know, making sure every salesperson has got a pop up banner which are very inexpensive, which means you can say, look, before you make a video, it doesn't matter where you are, you can be in your bedroom at home or you can be in the office or anywhere. Let's put up, just have the pop-up banner, you know, put it up behind you so the company logo's there, you're standing in front of it and then, you know, use your pop-up mic and use your phone and suddenly you've got, you know, and if some sort of guidelines about company dress code, whether it's, you know, an open neck shirt or whatever it is that they should be wearing, you know, just basic guidelines like that. Please don't post anything without a clean shirt on. Please have the banner up behind you. Please use your mic so the sound quality is good. You know, those are three very, very simple things to do where suddenly you start to get consistency because it doesn't matter whether I'm recording the video in my bedroom or in the office the background always looks the same because you've got the pop-up stand behind you or whatever. So I think there are some very easy wins and easy ways for people to make sure that, you know, everybody's coming 
across and representing the company reasonably and inexpensive ways as well, low, low maintenance ways, but it just takes a little bit of thought. I think the challenge is for a lot of business leaders themselves is this is quite new for them. So they don't often, they're not always in that way of thinking, you know, so it's kind of where everybody, you know, just make sure you're professional guys and no one quite knows what that means. Whereas if you say pop-up banner, here's your mic that we, you know, we bought a job lot of them that plugs into your phone uh, and, and make sure you're wearing a clean open neck shirt. Suddenly you've got some consistency across everything in, in a, you know, in a very low-fi way, really. Yeah. Well, tell me about the the, the gap then between sales and marketing, because you could assume that that with all of this new found skill technique and um, I suppose availability of platform and the media channels that are now available to people, um, the marketing sales gap should be getting smaller. We should see those two departments working better together. Uh, what's your experience with the gap of late? It, it, has it has it uh, shrunk? Uh, is it still there? And, and what do we need to do um, to sort of get even better at that? Yeah. So in a lot of organizations, it's still there. I'm not saying everyone, of course, but but a lot of them, it's still there. I think it's it's a misunderstanding of, of sales and marketing. So if you go into the B2B world, most organizations to be very, tend to be very, very sales-led organizations. So, you know, the majority of opportunities have often happened through face-to-face. I mean, let's be, be fair, right? Why do businesses employ salespeople in the first place? It's normally to get them over the line because there's a trust gap. Because here's what never happens, right? You never go down to your local supermarket and you're walking down the aisle and you get closed by an Andrex salesman for six toilet rolls. Okay. That never happens because actually, right, the marketing sells. If I've got fluffy Labradors running all over the TV screen, that's compelling enough, or it should be. Otherwise, the marketing's not working to get people to put toilet rolls into uh, the shopping carts. And actually, the risk factor, even if I've never used Andrex toilet rolls before, What's my risk if I get that purchase wrong? Okay, so I won't buy them again if I didn't like them. But but essentially, the risk is so low, I don't need face-to-face contact or a handshake or reassurance from someone to, to put the you know, the toilet rolls in my shopping cart. But in the B2B world, that's not the case. If you're investing in top-end consultancy, big software solutions, whatever it is you're selling – that trust factor is really important. I want someone to be accountable. I want the reassurance. I want to hear the company information from the horse's mouth. I want to know that I've got a phone that I can pick up or an email account I can send something to and say, this isn't working. You know, I'm spending a lot of money on this and this is strategically important for my business. So because traditionally a lot of B2B organizations couldn't sell without the salesperson getting them over the line, they're very, very sales-orientated organizations. And a lot of people have paid lip service to marketing. Marketing is essentially one person in a department posting up a few cursory tweets and LinkedIn messages. And then everybody goes, well, marketing doesn't work, but it's not invested in, it's not strategic, it's not joined up. And therefore, in a lot of organizations, sales has always had a very low opinion of marketing. Marketing continually gets frustrated because really they're trying to do the job with both hands tied behind their back. And therefore, that lack of respect and trust has just meant sales get on with the oh, marketing's useless. They don't get me any leads and they just go off and do their own thing. I think what needs to happen is that there needs to be an acknowledgement that actually brand communication is becoming ever more important as customer journeys are migrating increasingly online. And therefore, your first interactions with companies are often the website, the social media pages, and that's all marketing. And therefore, marketing needs to get more grown up, have more investment in it, 
uh, needs to be more strategic and salespeople need to understand the lifting that marketing need to do. And I think if they understood it uh, and understand where it plays a role, they'd have more respect for it and you'd have greater alignment. And then, of course, salespeople themselves need to understand where the overlap with marketing is for their own roles in what we've just discussed. The fact they own media channels today, the fact that content, which would have been a marketing discipline 20 years ago, now matters to salespeople. That actually, what are the marketing disciplines a salesperson needs to start to learn in order to get to that face-to-face meeting, right? In order to have those interactions. And I think if there was a greater understanding by salespeople of the marketing function and where it fits in in a modern buyer journey, I think you could get greater alignment and actually they'd be both more effective together. So I think it starts with a sort of education and understanding of where, how the buyer journey is evolving. Final question. When you think about this world of social media that we're on now, this isn't a new thing. Social media has been around a long time and arguably we're still trying to get to grips with it. I can't help but look further and, and beyond and wonder well, what's next? Let's imagine we're now in a world where we've all got the hang of this. We're all doing our own content on social media. Um, there's got to be something new, right? What's what's the next big thing in marketing? It's a, it's a good it's a good uh, point. I'm not sure what's next. I mean, I think delivering greater experiences online. I think you know things like augmented reality and virtual reality will allow us to deliver greater experiences online. I think also what's starting to happen is this binary, and and we're a little bit guilty of it today within the context of the conversation, but this kind of binary of online and offline is no good anymore. You have to think of it as a seamless experience. In other words, if the customer goes and looks at your website, looks at someone's LinkedIn page, interacts with some video, downloads an article, registers for a webinar, then meets you face-to-face, then maybe comes to your premises... How do we create that seamless experience? So the whole thing's joined up, the whole thing's cohesive, the whole thing's interesting. So I think that all of that will mature. I'm not sure any of that's new, but I think it will mature and we'll get better at doing those things and creating those experiences. The only other thing that I would say is, and I don't think this is new, but I think that we're at the dawn of this era, is video. I don't think, I mean, I... I, I, work with companies all around the world and have done for many, many years now. And I see very, very few companies right now utilizing the power of video properly. And I think over the next five, 10 years, video will be everything. Your ability to engage on a Zoom call or a Teams call, your ability to create engaging content with a video, your your ability to bring products and services to life using video. I think though that will make a huge difference. I think, you know, the, the telephone became a vital piece of business technology, didn't it? You know, if you couldn't make calls, if you couldn't use it properly, because it just gave you scale in a way that, you know, face-to-face and traipsing the streets didn't. And I think video is the next, the next line of that. It allows you to build relationships. This is important in sales and key account management. It allows you to build relationships at scale. Because, you know, you can, build, you can put out a one-minute video a week with a top tip, a top idea, and be engaging hundreds of people that start to value that and get to know you and think, oh, this person's got a lot of a- a value, a lot, lot to add, a lot to give. So I think it allows you to build relationships at scale, to deliver at value at scale, to become more familiar with people and familiarity from marketing terms breeds success. So I'm not sure I've mentioned anything new here, but I think the maturing of these technologies 
and video specifically, I think is going to make a big difference over the next few years to organisations. It's time for the Camcast Killer Question. Okay, Grant, so this is the Camcast Killer Question segment where we ask our guests to now ask the question. It's your chance to speak directly to our listeners and ask them a big question that gets them thinking about what they can be doing in their business to generate more growth, more success with their existing customers. Uh, So Grant, let's hear it. What's your killer question for our listeners? So my question for your listeners would be this. How can you be utilizing your media channels to deepen your relationships and create more opportunities, both for your salespeople with new prospects and for your key account managers to deepen into their accounts? Well, Grant, I asked for a killer question, and that is a big question. Uh, How can we deepen relationships with new prospects and key accounts using our social media channels? Um, Grant, it's been a pleasure talking to you as always. If people want to get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, best thing is just to go to the website, which is stickymarketing, all one word, dot com, stickymarketing.com. Stickymarketing.com. Grant, you're a legend in your own lunchtime, as always. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. I really enjoyed talking with Grant and exploring his thoughts on this really important topic. Key account management for us really is a team sport. And with marketing departments challenged with adding value through content and engagement, it's so important that account managers and sales teams work collaboratively towards a shared goal to grow the business with existing clients. I love the simple breakdown of how to plan great content by thinking about the fundamental questions. What challenges is the customer facing? What is the context? Where can we add value? And what do we want out of it? Salespeople really are mini marketeers who in today's world own their own media channels and therefore double up as media personalities. A media channel without content is useless. With LinkedIn probably being the platform of choice for most business professionals, Grant's three tips for leveraging LinkedIn were great. Have a great profile that you would want to connect with if you saw it. Network with the right people that support your objectives and add value for your audience. Sales exists in business to bridge the trust gap to reassure customers that the promise from the lure of marketing is genuine and worth their investment. For key account management to truly work as a team sport, these really are two teams that need to work well together with a shared goal. In the next episode of Camcast, I'll be taking Grant's thoughts further as we explore how video can maximize sales success with video production expert Ed Lawrence from Business Film Booth. Thank you for listening to this episode of Camcast, a podcast brought to you by camguru.com, one of the UK's leading key account management consulting and training organizations. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate you sharing it with your connections, giving us a review on your chosen podcast app and letting us know what else you'd like to hear in an upcoming episode. You can find the show notes for this episode on the website at camguru.com forward slash podcast.